Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Today, we've got Nikki with us here. I'm super stoked because Nikki Freeze is a really cool guy. He's in the marketing space. Him and I share a lot of similarities in the way that we promote to people and the way that we share what we do. I'm super stoked to have him here. So Nikki, say what's up to everybody and tell us something about yourself that most people don't know. What's up everyone? And thank you, Josh, for having me on your show. I'm very honored to be here. So my name is Nikki Fries. I'm from Copenhagen, Denmark. I'm 26 years old. Started my first company when I was only 16. But that's not what what I'm going to talk about today. So the personal thing or the thing that almost nobody knows about me is that I'm going to share my biggest secret at an event in November in front of 200 people. And this is like the biggest secret that I have and it will be so humiliating and embarrassing. But the reason for why I'm doing that and that is really what I want to share here um, is that I heard some some day, some time ago, that the, the biggest secrets that you have will also set you free. And that is really what I hope to get out of uh, sharing it at that big stage. And so far, only five people know that I'm going to do that. So That's there you go. So go to that event, dang it. We want to know the secret. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that, man. So you're 26. This is really random. When's your birthday? Uh, it's 14th of December. Of December. Okay. I'm a little bit older. I'm 26 too. March 2nd is my birthday. So if anybody wants to send gifts to either of us, feel free. Um, I'll I'll post your address in the, in the bio, right? (laughs) Um, That's awesome, Nikki. I I do think I agree with you on that though. I mean, you know, the the truth will set you free. I've even found that um, especially in the entrepreneurial realm, a lot of people are trying to just share, Hey, this is my big win. I'm so cool. Here's how much money I made. But it really comes down to when you start to share like today sucked. And here's why it sucked. And this is how I overcame it. A lot of people love hearing that. I think it'll be really cool to hear your story. What's the event you're speaking at? It's, um, I don't know what to call it. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of like a TEDx event okay. here in Copenhagen. Um, yeah, we'll be, I think, eight speakers in front of these uh, 200 to 300 people. And all of us are going to talk about very personal stories. So it is, I will, I guess it would be super scary and I'm still kind of working on the speech and I have, I don't know, I have three coaches kind of coaching me on, I don't know, getting out of my comfort zone with the, with this big secret that I'm going to share. Yeah. I say, and that's, that's cool. You're willing to put that much effort into it. A lot of people would just show up and wing it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So that's cool, man. Well, so give us a little bit you know, like a 30 second synopsis of where you're at and what you're doing right now. Cool. So basically I was part of starting two companies here in Copenhagen, Denmark, two SaaS companies. Uh, First started here in 2015 and one in 2017. And I still own shares in both. Awesome. I was heading marketing and operations and we had approximately 20 plus employees in both companies, but I got tired of overhead and managing other people. And I really just wanted to focus on growth marketing because that's where my passion is. So basically today I have my own growth advisory firm called Nikki as well, where I basically just do that. I help people strategize around growth marketing. And I love that. And what was really cool about um, when I, when I send out my guest form to everybody, I always ask them like, if this were a masterclass, what would you name the title? And yours really caught my attention. 
obviously because you're a marketer, you do a good job with this, but you said 20 employees does not make you successful. So I'm probably going to name that the title of the podcast, let's face it. But what, uh, what about, you know, <laughs> having employees does not make you successful, right? I think it's a really, um, a controversial topic, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, I mean, one thing that I can share is that back in Idea Note, when when we started that, we basically hired ten interns, free interns at the beginning of the company, and we were only the founders. And then we had ten interns that was unpaid, <laughs> and it brought us so much overhead, and and we had to manage so many people at the same time. We had to teach them in what we wanted to do, and we were just starting, so we actually didn't know what we wanted to do either and so basically we had one person who was just driving us around to meetings because i mean we we had no clue we were also just i guess 21 or something like that uh, when we started out um and i think also for for the other company just to kind of transition to to a more serious uh, angle on 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 the topic here so what i really mean is that having employees is not equal having success neither in life or in business. I mean, of course, you have to tie your success to KPIs or to, I mean, some metrics that make sense to you, if it's impact, if it's revenue or, or whatever it is. Um, and I, I think it's, it's kind of similar to, to the other uh, mantra that we can call it, uh, likes don't pay the bills. Um, because so many people are kind of focused on, focused on, we need so many, uh, so, so much PR, we need so much likes, so much follow, many followers. We need all these cool awards. But in the end, I mean, if you're not growing, if you do not sustain your users, your customers, and earn a profit on that, I mean, you're slowly dying. Yeah. Well, and and so you know, if they're not focusing on you know employees, and, and I you know to illustrate this point, it's really funny when you talk to entrepreneurs because you ask them how good they're doing. You're like, hey, how's your company doing? And they're like, oh, you know, we have five employees, and you're like, oh, that sucks. Sorry, <laughs> having employees <laughs> is the worst. <laughs> uh, you know, we do all ours through contractors, but uh, it, we've uh, we found that same thing. You know, it's it's really funny to hear. That's how people kind of measure their success as as if that's like well, cause I can pay those employees, you know, but yeah, you know, most, yeah. Anyway, so it, it's really interesting. But so, you know, if that's not the main measure of success, you're saying growth is the main measure of success. Is that correct? So, so of course it really depends on what kind of business you are running and also what is the goal of the business or really what, what we can also maybe call purpose if it's not too cliche. So, I mean, for some companies, of course, let's say it's a nonprofit companies, they, they are measured in different ways than let's say a company that's for profit. And either you can run businesses based on if you are going for, I mean, paying out dividends or if you are going for, I, I don't know, series A, series B, series C, and then IPO at some point, you have different metrics that you want to kind of track if you depending on what kind of success you want in your business. And when I talk about growth, I mean, for me, growth is if you are able to sustain the amount of user, I mean, if you are able to flatten your retention curve, and what I mean by that is that all, almost all types of businesses, they have a really steep dip in retention in the first couple of weeks of a, of a new user entering your product, if it's a product-based business at least. At some point, you need that, that retention curve to flatten out. If it trends towards zero, then you're basically slowly dying. So what I mean is that 
if you have a stable retention curve, you can basically start adding new users up to, on top without, you can say, um, without churning all the all the new users that you are getting in. And that's kind of the foundation for growth. And, and that's really what I talk about when I talk about that. It's not necessarily a pile of success um, to just focus on that. I mean, it really depends on, on what kind of person you are and, and why are you in business, I guess. What is, a, what is your success metric, Jess? <laughs> yeah, what's ours? See, and that's a really good question because I know, I guess like all of us get stuck in the revenue, right? Right, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's revenue growth. But recently we've been, that's why this really strikes a chord with me is, is we've realized retention is the number one most important thing with our clients because we found, you know, as we're testing different products or what have you, certain ones we can make a lot of money on up front, but then it just fizzles out. And so we're constantly trying to keep up with our, our sales. But uh, there are certain products that we have that are retainer. And if we can just keep the clients to stay longer, you know, and, and that doesn't even require more money in most cases. It just requires like tw- adjusting the process. And yeah, so right now really it's been uh, the lifetime value of our customer has really been our core metric. Yeah. And I mean, if you retain users for a longer period of time, the, the lifetime value is higher and therefore you can also afford a higher customer acquisition cost in the beginning of the engagement. So it's, it's, um, it's really important to kind of focus on retention all the times. And on another note, if you have built, I don't know, some kind of acquisition loops into your product, like virality or referral programs or other kind of incentives to basically help spread the word of your, your business or your company, then the longer time, the longer, for a longer period that you retain your customers, the more likely they are to also trigger these acquisition loops over time and refer more and more people. It's like with Dropbox. Right. When, um, when you first need storage, you're going to invite, let's say, three people, and then you'll get 200 megabytes of storage or something like that. At least that was how it was in the beginning. But then at some point, I'll run out of storage again. And then I will invite more people and I will keep inviting more people every time I run out of storage until you can say my network or yeah, I mean, my contact book is, uh, is completely saturated, right? Right. See, and, and I love that, especially in the SaaS space, um, honestly, in, in any sort of like information product or SaaS space, they're, they're really similar. And a lot of our listeners are in those spaces. So, um, you know, when, when you're generating products, it's, it doesn't really cost you any more to make those changes, right? It has everything to do with just being creative with the process and with the, the retention. So what are some of the best methods that you've seen um, to increase that retention uh, for, especially let's just say in the information product space in particular? Hmm. So I, I, okay. So for, I think for every type of business, no matter if it's information product or whatever it is, mm-hmm. focusing on the first stage of the customer's journey is, in my opinion, the most important one. And that's also what we can see from data. So imagine, um, so yeah, so what I mean here is that the first, the first phase here is the onboarding phase or the activation phase. If you can get people to activate their account. So in, in most cases, of course, I would be activating or uh, verifying your email address signing up with your first name, maybe some address details or other kind of contact details, and then maybe setting up your account. Let's take an example. Something like, um, I don't know, uh, Slack. Almost everybody who listens to this podcast 
hopefully knows about Slack. Right. So for, for a company like Slack, of course, what you need to do first when you're signing up and you're creating a new Slack account for, for and you want to invite some people into your Slack account at some point. So the first step that they, that they want you to do is to enter your email address because when you have entered your email address, they can email you uh, as many times as they want to kind of keep you come to, to get you to come back to fill out the rest of your profile. So this is kind of like the first step that they're doing. And then the second step, of course, is that they want you to maybe add your first name and create a, this, a, this Slack channel or what we can call it. And then, of course, they want you to invite people because without people, Slack is not very valuable to people. Right. But what most people should be focusing on, and, and to answer your question here, is the onboarding phase, not just for the person who is creating the account in Slack, but also for the people who is invited here. So what I'm saying is that you shouldn't focusing on uh, necessarily on uh, you can also add gifts to Slack. You can also um, use uh, different commands to do all sorts of crazy, crazy things and you can install these integrations and all these other things. The most important step is to get them to, to, to set up their account and uh, create a profile if it's a new user and then basically exchange messages. And then you can start building this habit around exchanging messages within Slack in an easy and engaging way, because that's kind of like the, the main value proposition of Slack, in my opinion, at least. So, so what I mean here is that focus on the, on the onboarding phase, then you are, you are much more likely to, you can say, increase where your retention curves flattens out. So let's say if your retention curve is currently flattening out at 20%, so you're retaining 20% of all users on a longer term in a longer period, then if you focus on the activation part, you are more likely to increase that retention curve where it's flattening. If you are focusing on some of the later, later steps in, uh, in your customer journey, basically. Yeah, and, and I found that to be really true. I mean, you know, when you buy a product... You know, any product and it's complicated, it just makes it that much less attractive to you to purchase in the first place, let alone to refer it. And I mean, we all know like the, the highest form of marketing is advocacy, right? You know, and, and getting our customers to advocate for us. That's why I liked the Dropbox example, you know, giving people a certain amount of usage per, per time that, that they get, because that, that gives them incentive to do it again and again and again. Yeah. Um, I know that there's some that are pretty lame attempts at that though, where they're like, you know, refer somebody and we'll give you a $5 credit. And it's like, that just doesn't sound cool. Right. <laughs> just tell me, Hey, I'll give you a month for free if you refer somebody, you know? Yeah, um, but it depends. I mean, look at the, the, the PayPal example, right? They actually gave people money to refer other people in the beginning and it was a huge success, but I guess it depends on kind of like what kind of incentives work for your product. Of course, PayPal is a money exchange company. So it really makes sense to involve some monetary value uh, into their, you could say, incentive program here. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, PayPal is a great example of that. And, and I know in the, the information product space, it can be really difficult because you're either selling, you know, like, like a lot of things that people are selling right now are more membership area type products. And, you know, we've even fall into that trap sometimes where, you know, you're trying to, to like, Oh yeah, but retainer income is amazing, you know, but really building a really great retainer product can be extremely difficult for that reason, right? Keeping them for longer than three months is almost unheard of in the info space <laughs> because yeah. people have that, uh, the diminishing, the law of diminishing returns, right? After a while, they're just eventually going to say, Hey, I'm, 
yeah, I've gotten what I need out of this. They're not mad at you, but they're done. I can share one thing that I'm doing, Josh, yeah. uh, for, for, for my consultancy. So one thing, of course, is adding retainers. But another thing that I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing right now, it's, it's not uh, official yet, but it's going to be official very soon, is that I'm the first local partner in, in Denmark for what's called growthhackers.com. I don't know if you know uh, yeah. that community. They have um, two software tools as well. So what I'm adding on, you could say, to my uh, product portfolio is to sell on these services as well. Because one of the areas that we work with is kind of like facilitating and helping companies run growth teams, growth experiments, and all these other things. And I'm basically just, you can say, uh, enabling the the companies that we work with and the clients with adding on the software because it's just making it a way easier for them to run experiments afterwards. So what I'm doing here is that I'm adding on the service and I'm going to get a commission for life uh, on those customers. And I will also have, you can say, an, an, an insight into how well they are doing um, if, if they allow me, of course, what kind of experiments are they running? Are they successful with it? And then I can basically, you can say, uh, have insights into if I should sell on more consultancy hours, more workshops, or if I should help them out with uh, ideation or whatever problems they might have or where they are currently focused at. So this is like a way for me to, you can say, build a longer uh, term engagement because I will keep having, a, you can say, a, a what is called a, uh, what is this called, Josh? Uh-huh. You can see it on the video, sorry. A hook into, yeah. uh, into uh, the shirts of, uh, of the people that I'm working with here. Yeah, yeah. love that. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of uh, value in that, you know, because if you can create those, those hooks, you know, be pitching them out, it's, hey, that's marketing 101, right? It's just throwing a billion hooks out as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. and, so, and look at what... Go ahead. Yeah, and, and look at what a guy like Neil Patel is doing. Do you know Neil Patel? Oh yeah, he's he's uh, buying all these um, these uh, software tools out there and and giving them out for free. So he's basically let's let's say uh, there's a company here doing something with SEO, and he's basically figuring out a way to build this, or he is hiring a team to build this product for free, and then he's basically giving it out for free to all his uh, customers, and of course also is a part of his you can say content marketing uh, efforts. But this is also a tool. So if, if, if people keep using his tool, they will keep remembering him. Right. Yeah. So that's also a way to kind of, you can say, uh, um, get the engagement to, uh, to um, have a, I don't know, occur over a longer period. Yeah, I love that because his, his method, Neil Patel's method is really interesting because a lot of people think you need a lot of money for that. Um, he, he announced on one of his podcasts where some of his first softwares cost him like a thousand dollars to build. Yeah. Um, and they're great. I mean, if you've ever used any like Buzzsprout or, um, I mean, that's where we host our podcast is on Buzzsprout. Um, trying to think of the other ones off the top of my head and I can't <laughs> stopping <laughs> myself, but, but, uh, it's really interesting to see that the software really isn't his end goal. He's using it to build, like you said, that customer attention, keep him in their minds because, he can then send, sell millions and millions of dollars of things on the back end. But so, you know, we're about to come to the end of the interview here, Nikki. So I, I just want to ask you this one last question. If you could leave one thing with, with our audience and say, Hey, this is the one thing I hope that you'll, you'll take out of this. What would that be? Wow. Um, so 
I mean, one thing that I would like to share uh, for everybody who's listening in, because I also know that your audience here is, is more experienced entrepreneurs. So if going back to, you can say the retention example. So how, how we usually, you can say, divide the faces, we, uh, the faces of a customer. So when they enter your product, we call that, you can say the adoption phase or the onboarding phase. Then we have the habit phase and then we have the investment phase. And taking LinkedIn as an example. So the first thing LinkedIn want a user to do is not to start building a following because that's super advanced for someone who haven't done that before. So the first thing that they want, they want you to do something that you have done many, many, many times in the past. And that is basically building a CV. Everybody have tried to build a CV when they have applied for jobs. So they basically just want you to apply to, you can say, write a CV. That's the first step that LinkedIn wants you to do. And then what they want you to do is basically just sending mails and, I, and engaging with other people. But you are also used to sending mails and emails from the past, but you are not used to building a following. So that's something that they add in the investment phase or the last phase. But the reason why I'm talking about, you can say, this, uh, this, this journey is that you need to, you can say, layer on the steps of your product in what is most natural to the user. That is really what I, I wanted to say here. Does it make sense, Jess? Yeah, I love that. That's a really good insight because, you, I mean, you're basically saying, like, what, what are they already doing? Give them that for free. And then you're, you're upselling what they need. You're almost like creating the problem for them. And then the software solves the problem. <laughs> I love that. Well, Nikki, yeah. thanks so much for coming on today, man. And before we sign off, where can people get in contact with you and with your services? Yeah. Thank you so much, Josh. So whenever Josh is uh, posting this podcast, feel free to comment. I'll be happy to reply to your comments there as well. Otherwise, feel free to add me on LinkedIn. It's Nikki Fries. I'll be happy to engage with you, answer all your questions. I do also have a podcast called Out of Growth. It's very similar to, to Josh's here. We are focusing, you can say, even deeper on retention, acquisition, channel strategies. So really in depth with growth and you are more than welcome to join me there as well. Awesome. I love that. So make sure you go check that. So it's Out of Growth Podcast. I got that wrong the first time. So I had to make sure I got it right the second time. <laughs> and then Nikki Freeze on LinkedIn. I'll add all of that in the description of the podcast as well. But Nikki, thanks so much for coming on today, man. And we'll catch you later. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Josh. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan Podcast. If you want to fill your favorite platform with dream customers, then come join myself and thousands of others of hosts at theluckytitan.com slash tribe. Here you can find guests for your show, get featured on other shows, and discover the secrets to building an audience of raving fans. So once again, go create your free account at theluckytitan.com slash tribe.